1: from NOLA Pizza in the NOLA Brewing Tap Room on Chapitula Street in New Orleans, we're Out to Lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business Professor and Director of the award-winning
2: Birkenrode Reports. It's business New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Oil companies spend a huge amount of money and devote massive resources to exploring for oil and pumping it out of the ocean floor. But nothing lasts forever. When an offshore oil well dries up, oil companies don't exhibit quite the same zeal for plugging the well and dismantling it and removing the massive drilling platform. That job is given to a third-party company. Off the coast of Louisiana, that company is likely to be the Cuvion Group. The Cuvion Group is owned by the company's president and CEO, Timmy Cuvion. Besides dismantling oil wells, Timmy and his 70 employees work on a wide range of ocean-based projects, including marine construction, port and vessel maintenance, and disaster recovery. Timmy started the company after Hurricane Katrina. His first project was salvaging over 500 sunken boats that went down in the storm. Timmy Kuvion, welcomed out to lunch. Thank you for having me, Peter. It's not just hurricanes that cause disasters. In most workplaces, stuff goes wrong constantly. In a job like mine, it's no big deal. I can apologize for mispronouncing your name or asking a dopey question. Other than a bit of embarrassment, the fallout is pretty minimal. In healthcare, things aren't quite as easygoing. If you're a healthcare provider, a practitioner, a clinic, a hospital, you have to take every possible precaution to eliminate every possible misstep. But... If you're a doctor or medical administrator, you don't have time to be constantly checking that the systems and people supporting you are working the way they should. That's where a company by the name of Performance Health Partners comes in. Performance Health Partners is a healthcare software company that specifically focuses on patient and employee safety. For every single healthcare incident that causes harm, there are an estimated 299 near misses. Performance Health Partners records as many of these 299 close calls as possible to determine their root cause and eliminate them before the harm occurs. The company was founded in 2015 here in New Orleans. Today they're in 35 states across the country in 16 different sectors of healthcare from behavioral to home health to dialysis and they're moving into veterinary care. The founder and CEO of Performance Health Partners is Heidi Raines. Heidi, welcome down to lunch.
3: Hi, thank you for having me, happy to be here.
2: Timmy, running your company sounds like an exercise in extreme management. You have around 70 employees working on large-scale marine engineering projects, scattered across a bunch of far-flung locations, including miles out at sea and underwater. On a practical day-to-day basis, how do you stay on top of all the projects you have running at the same time? With
1: the technology today, we can really be in multiple places at one time. And so uh, there are many times where I may be looking at my phone and trying to answer a question where I'm actually giving directions to a diver where I say pan down, pan left, pan right, and I could actually see what he's seeing. So uh, with the, um, say a good thing that came out of COVID with all the different virtual platforms, it's really projected us or or pushed us into a, a new realm where we can be at multiple places at one time. So using today's technology helps me um,
2: manage from afar. Heidi, anybody who's had any kind of medical procedure know there's a chance of something going wrong. Patients are typically asked to sign a waiver, but most of us never read it because most of us assume nothing bad is going to happen. By and large, people are optimistic and trusting, especially of doctors, and we're not on the lookout for incompetence. But thankfully, somebody who does worry about things going wrong is looking out for us and doing everything they can to make sure it doesn't. In 35 of the 50 states in the US, that somebody is your company, Performance Health Partners. I'm wondering what led you to create this company. Is there something about your personality that you tend to think the worst is going to happen? (laughs) Or or did you see a gap in the market and made a decision uh, to, to fill it?
3: Peter, it's both. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I um, I used to be a hospital administrator, so I worked in the seat um, that we now sell to and provide software for. Uh, I ran two sections of a hospital. It's hematology, oncology, and radiation oncology, so basically cancer centers. And what I saw over and over again is uh, really this repeatable, these um harm was occurring because of repeatable predictable um, differences between a process and a human and so that is where this company was born it's how do we apply technology to that gap and predict where failures will occur
2: and your first uh, foray into healthcare was a, a recruitment kind of headhunter things for nurses
3: um first company i found it was a strategy and um operating company and we did a lot of work after katrina Rebuilding health centers in the Gulf Coast.
2: Isn't it interesting? You both got going really uh, after Katrina. Katrina,
3: Katrina. (laughs) Timmy, the first
2: thing you did—of course, I won't be exactly right on this—but you talked to Plaquemines Parish. At that point, you were with Oceaneering and. uh, and they said, you said, what's the most important thing first off? And it was the, getting the ferries to operate, right? They... That's right. So, Chalmette
1: was sort of severed from uh, the mainland, I guess they would say. And um, the, w- w- either the waters needed to, 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 to draw back or we had to get the ferries gone. And so, they, they brought me to a, a, a couple different challenges and, and we decided that the ferry landing would be the, uh, the most impactful. And, uh, and that's where, where we started. So um, it was, uh, you know, they had declared martial law. You know, I asked well, what resources do I have available? And um, I sort of took the same role that I do when I'm offshore uh, as a project manager. I took that role, uh, identified the problem, seeing what resources we had available and and sort of went right into, uh, uh, into execution. And that execution was, um, we went into the White Auditorium and uh, literally yelled, "Is there any people here that know how to weld or run heavy equipment?" <laughs> and, um, and then we, uh, we went on Engineers Road and uh, opened the gates to some of the businesses and um, borrowed forklifts and cherry pickers and crane mats and um, and within three days we had a temporary uh, bridge over the, the ferry landings to get the ferries uh, uh, or the, the, the ferry landing system operational. And uh, and I'll tell you, the the first load of, of cars and refugees that were able to come back across the Mississippi River into Plaquemines Parish and then onto, you know, to to greener pastures because they had been in, you know, water soaked infested uh, Chalmette, was uh, you know the I remember a little lady came out and gave me a big hug and, mm-hmm. and and that was cool.
2: The other thing I read is you got something. You're working for Oceaneering, so you obviously get paid and all, but you got another nice little token at the end right
1: so I got to drive the ferry <laughs> so so that one came into uh, so I was was uh, so I, I wasn't getting paid at the time mm-hmm. oh I was getting paid by Oceaneering uh, but I was working as a volunteer for the for the parish and so what I told the parish was if you let's see so I'll fix your your, your ferry and the only thing I want in return is to uh, to drive the ferry <laughs> so this deal was made with uh, by a guy by the name of Danny and um, and so I had we finished, and Mr. Bill Surpass, uh, who's who's no longer with us, but um, I remember he came to do the final inspection. And so when we go to leave the the east bank, he he goes to take the, the, the helm of the ferry, and I'm like, well. Pardon me, Mr. Bill, but the deal was <laughs> the deal. I get to drive the boat here, and 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 Danny is like shaking his head like he's Danny's didn't know that this was going to come to fruition apparently, <laughs> and I said, Mr. Bill, that was the deal, and he goes, well, to have at it, and I'll tell you, you could have put an egg in between the fenders and the ferry when
2: I brought oh, it in. It that's was super soft. That's right, they, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't go into that business, which is good. They, uh, it is now, Heidi. But the first thing I thought was that hospitals would love you because it's such a litigious society of malpractice suits and all, and you're kind of cutting them off of the past. Was that mm-hmm. right?
3: mm mm-hmm. um, There, there's the modernization of patient and employee safety. So what we have in modernization is is early adopters and early adopters and the the idea of a culture of safety. Um, but then there are really late adopters that think, you know, well, I don't want to really know everything that's going on. Um, I'd rather just handle it internally. So um, fortunately, the ones that we work with are the ones that are modernizing um, and that are realizing that the more information that they um, can gather allows them to prevent um, and be proactive in in, uh, preventing harm.
2: And you, um, I was just thinking about this is, there are different kinds of hospitals. There's like community and smaller mm-hmm. hospitals and then the big ones, do you specialize in one of the other?
3: Um, so we started the company really looking at the um, the, the non-acute care, so non-hospital market. Um, what I saw was that the other healthcare, you know, points of care in the country where we we have about sixty 500 hospitals in the country, believe it or not, not not that many, but we we have over three million other points of care. And it was the other points of care that did not have a full robust system to manage these safety issues, um, as well as digital rounding tools that are, are really workforce multipliers. So I went in to create a very agile system that would fulfill the needs of the other points of care. Ironically, it's taken off in those points of care, and we also have acute care, very large hospital systems that use us as well.
2: I don't know if everybody followed it, was a little bit uh, time ago, but uh, Taylor Energy had this, this leak, I guess it came after Hurricane Ivan, and about, for perspective, kind of where the river meets the sea, kind of a romantic way to describe it, um, about 12 miles out, after the, the hurricane, they had, they had 28 uh, platforms there, uh, they could control, like, nine, and then that, the rest of that oil just kept leaking out and leaking out and leaking out. I would assume big energy service companies went in there, and nobody could figure out. How on earth did you f- stop the leak? S-
1: simply put, just a collaborative effort between a lot of um, my team members and, and, and reaching out to where we had uh, gaps and and our, our know-how, um, and then really within... Um, A short time we came up with something where I felt that like why hadn't anyone come up with this before kind of deal it almost seemed easy and when you if you look at it in reverse it's sort of we have a pretty simple um, answer
2: to it I I promise our listeners won't be trying this at home but what did you simply put what did you do it's you created storage tanks of some kind
1: so we we capture gas oil and water all subsea with a dome. It's a shallow box, domes are spherical in nature, and that's a different story, but uh, we capture the oil, gas, and water, uh, and we run them through, we we invented a underwater separator that separates the, the oil, gas, and water, all subsea, It has no moving parts, which means we need no power source or batteries or any of that such. Um, The water falls out the bottom, the gas gets vented off into the water column, and then the oil gets stored, goes to a different elevation and gets stored in storage tanks. That's all bolted to the jacket or the the fallen oil platform that rests uh, currently on the seabed. So we are actively collecting oil, gas, and water, separating and storing oil every day, today, tomorrow. Yesterday, etc.
2: You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Timmy Kuvion from Maritime Construction and Maintenance Company, the Kuvion Group, and Heidi Rains from Healthcare Incident Prevention Company, Performance Healthcare Partners. Heidi, I'm thinking about if somebody's working at the hospital and they see something that isn't quite right or just maybe could be improved. They do they contact you and is it anonymous? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So. Um, Frontline healthcare workers are the eyes, ears, of and heartbeat of our healthcare organizations, um, and so when they see something um, that is an issue, or um, they uh, find out find something that could have happened, so let's just say there was the wrong medication came down from the pharmacy, the nurse checked it they recognize that it's the wrong medication, they would report that as a near miss or a good catch. Um, and so what the organization can do is look at that data and identify, is this happening um, often? Um, so a good example of you know a, a win for us when we implemented our system with a large hospital system is that they knew they were having a lot of medical errors. Um, and with medical errors, you have um, a couple things that happen you have patients that have adverse events they stay in the hospital longer you've decreased morale from from the nurses or caretakers um, and then you have a higher cost because you're, you're the patient is staying longer so what they were able to see um, by using our software once we implement it within a month they were able to see that the medication errors were occurring mostly on uh, telemetry on that floor, um, they were happening in the morning on the morning shift. And furthermore, when we really drilled into it and looked at the data analytics tools, um, they were able to tell that the pharma- the errors were happening in the pharmacy and not on the floor. And it was an outsourced pharmacy vendor, so it was another company providing those pharmacy services. And they were able to um, you know kind of rectify the situation that way. What happened was, you know, caregiver morale went up patient safety events nearly disappeared. And so it's a simple fix um, by using data uh, and good catch near miss data um, to improve safety in the hospital.
2: And you know what, I learned something here. I'm going to, if I have surgery, it's going to be late in the afternoon. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I I picked up a very valuable nugget here. Timmy, um, one of the things in leaks now, and uh, whether it's pipeline or onshore already, we used to talk about the oil leak, but now, now that we're looking at global warming and everything, it seems to be the thing we weren't talking about, methane. Is that, that's part of the picture?
1: In our case, uh, so we capture natural, you know, what's coming out of the well is natural gas. Um, and in, in our case, we vent it back into the water column. And it's more of a lesser of two evils type thing, um, and so the oil is the real uh, abusive uh, portion with the chains into the, you know, chains on the surface and the harm to wildlife, and that's what we're able to capture. Uh, from a, a, a natural gas uh, perspective, the volume would be too great for us to be able to efficiently capture it. I know what people are thinking. What do you do with the oil? So. Um, It's actually, it's it's a neat thing. Uh, We capture the oil, and although we have to sell it as recycled oil, um, the government in this case really does something that makes sense. Um, We recycle it, and uh, they do a profit share to encourage companies to develop systems that are, or do make sense to be able to recycle. So we we take our portions of the proceeds, and in an effort for awareness, we've actually donated those proceeds 100% or to the penny back out to Nonprofits. So since oh, um, we've donated some half a million dollars out uh, back into the community uh, as an awareness piece, and uh, and it's done, um, we've done all sorts of good things: scholarships and endowments for teacher of the year, and um, and and lots of effort into athletics, which uh, really helps develop our leaders for tomorrow.
2: Heidi, you've talked about all the different areas you can go into. One new one is veterinarian work. um.
3: Um, So, you know, we are getting very sophisticated in veterinary health, uh, as you know. Um, And we're starting with a, a hospital, an animal hospital in Los Angeles. And, um, and the risk manager and CEO there is a former hospital risk manager who's used a technology platforms like ours within a hospital. Uh, it's not as different as you might think. Um, there's still the same, there's patient safety or there's, they call, you know, veterinarians call their um, animals patients. Um, Just different types of incidents. As you can imagine, there's more bites. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that would be true. Um, And so it is a very similar uh, process. It's just a a different, it's an animal, and it's not a human, but it's very similar. And safety is a a really huge up and coming um, kind of challenge within those environments.
1: I would think that a happy patient is still a happy patient, no matter what their uh, yeah. genetics might dictate.
3: Yeah. A big part of it is employee safety. So it's, you know, dealing with animals um, and reporting those and understanding what they can do to change their processes to be able to prevent harm.
2: And let's face it, a lot of us like our dog better than, better than many family members. So. For sure. Yeah. For it is, sure. Uh, it is, yeah. Uh, um, this is a big picture question, Timmy. Is there's all these abandoned wells in the Gulf of Mexico? We're kind of America's pincushion out there, and um, that have stopped producing, and they're I guess one term they use is orphans, orphaned uh, wells. You're in that business in, in a big way too. How does that work? Does the is the drilling company, the oil company that first drilled, it, are they responsible for taking that out, or is is it the government who does that? So when a company or
1: the responsible party who is currently operating the well when they are no longer or when they cease to exist or they they go bankrupt then it goes back up the hill so it goes to the 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 next one in line who was operating it before and at some point what the government hopes is that um, someone is still solvent and so in a lot of cases the majors are still solvent and so um you know the chevrons the BP's, the uh, the, the shells, the ones that we call majors, are typically uh, responsible in what we call for a, a legacy well. So a legacy well or might even be considered like a boomerang type well that comes back and lands in their lap. And so most of the time they're captured that way. Um, the other portion of it is an actual orphan well and it would be a company that drilled it that there's, there's no clear defined owner that is still in existence and, um, and there are programs governmental programs to uh, To fix those as well
2: in addition to platforms out there, you know I've seen these maps and they're I mean, they're cool to see but the Gulf of Mexico and off Louisiana is like a bowl of spaghetti in terms of pipelines It's just uh do they that's infrastructure that uh, Rots over time too, right? Well, uh, Yes
1: um, It does rot over time but, there's many of them that are, are removed during the process and what they do is they figure out what's what's better for the environment, right? Sometimes leaving it there is better for the environment and having a piece of steel underneath the soil is not necessarily a bad thing. And that's similar to the platforms, right? Listen, Louisiana is known as the sportsman's paradise a lot because of the platforms that we have that, that create a a man-made reef and and so again my beginnings are through college i was a a charter fisherman and it was the platforms that gave us the 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 environment to uh to raise all these fish so without all of these these structures that we are removing um it's going to decrease the amount of uh fish habitat in the gulf of mexico so uh there's a little bit of a bittersweet type thing it kind of cleans things up but we're really removing some really vital um, fish infrastructure. So uh, what the government has done is they, they do uh, reef programs where they take the rigs to reef and they topple them in certain areas. So that's sort of the solution for that.
2: Let's face it, there's no better place to fish than off the platforms, right? It's, in, it's incredible. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, if you don't do this, do the hospitals have the ability to do this themselves?
3: Um, certainly, they could try to create a homegrown solution, which um, quite honestly, we have a lot of clients who did that to start with, and now they're switching to a more robust you know, digital solution that has built-in analytics as well as activity management and management of the entire continuum. Um, so yes, a lot of them will try to do it in, inside. There's also um, a handful of other softwares in the market that are doing the same thing we are. Um, m- most of those softwares are 10 years older. Um, so we came in as a very agile, um, low-code environment so that we could move quickly and get into different sectors of care, which we did.
2: And Timmy, how many uh, abandoned pieces of uh, uh, infrastructure are there out there?
1: Ooh, there would be thousands of, uh, of platforms that will eventually be removed. Um, and um, probably over the next five years, Let's see. So I can give you some numbers that we've done ourselves uh, over the next five years. Some 1,200 platforms in 200 foot of water or less will have to be removed, um, and those are platforms where the wells uh, cease to produce, and and so it's so just once on the shelf. That's on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and and most of the most of the hardware is on the shelf. The the floating platforms are you know in deeper water, and they're they can reach out further with their drilling activities, and so they're there would be less concentration in the deeper water of platforms.
2: Timmy, there's, sometimes there's more enthusiasm for doing P&A than others. Um, for instance, uh, different, uh, different people in the White House, what's that been? The different
1: administrations have different theories. Um, you know without trying to really get into politics it just seems you know without me picking aside on, on politics it the theme has been more with the Democrats that more iron comes out the water uh, whereas with the, the Republicans it's more invest invest take the money and invest it into um, new drilling and new opportunities and then save some of that infrastructure that might be able to be reused and so you know ultimately you know, it, the, the government tries to take a balance between leaving the infrastructure that's still uh, good. So like with new exploration, um, if we remove some of the pipelines that can be reused for a new area and new exp- exploration, then it would be wise to leave that in place and it could be reused later. If not, it may be cost prohibitive to go after some of those fields
2: and, and, and further, uh, if, if they have to lay a whole new line. Heidi and Timmy, If you look over my shoulder, you'll see our technical director, Eric Merle sitting over there with headphones on, quietly making sure we all sound good. The only time we hear from Eric is when something goes wrong. You're both the Eric Merles of your industries. If everything is ticking over the way it's supposed to, it's because you're quietly going about your day-to-day business. When we go to the hospital and leave happy because everything worked like clockwork, or we watch the news and there's not a story about uh, oil leaking from an abandoned well in the Gulf of Mexico, it's because the Cuvion Group and performance health partners are delivering on their obligations. To the public, you're never gonna be the hero in the spotlight, except for to me. Um, But to people in your industry and others familiar with what you do, You're vitally important and enormously appreciated. The number of people who appreciate you now includes all of us who have gotten to meet you today. Thank you
3: both Heidi and
2: Timmy for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch.
3: Thank you for having us.
1: And Thank you, Peter, and also Heidi. Thank you for having me here.
2: My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Heidi Rains founder and CEO of Performance Health Partners, and Timmy Cuvion, president, owner, and CEO of the Kuvion Group. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Heidi and Timmy by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website. It's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill Lafleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, and our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Rusciuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans-style,
0: on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Room, 3001 shop at Tula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.